if you're a startup, be careful the lessons you learn from Fortune 500 companies mm, because people yeah. will be like, oh, well, Microsoft serves everyone. No, Amazon serves everyone. It's like, yes, but they didn't start that way, right? They they, they were at a yeah. different stage. Right? The, the, it, even if you look at their individual product lines or individual products, right, they started serving a very specific user in a very specific context. And then over time, you know, 10, 20 years of product investment, eventually they expanded to to sell to everyone. Welcome to Innovation Talks. Join us weekly as we discuss with distinguished industry guests how to refine and improve corporate innovation and new product development. Hosted by Paul Heller, Sophion Chief Evangelist. Hello, everybody. Welcome to part two of our session with Dan Belkowski. If you didn't get a chance to go listen to part one, go back and listen to that one first before continuing here. Dan shares a lot of great information about product pricing and packaging, and it was just such fun to talk to him that we split it into two episodes. So here you go, part two with Dan. You just uh, kind of took us into a question that I, I know I had, which was customer segmentation, right? Because you have to think about not every customer is the same, right? And so tell us a little bit about how customer segmentation uh, impacts pricing. Yeah, so I think the important thing is, you know, first of all, if you're going to start talking about customer segmentation, like the first thing, and this is a mistake or a pitfall that I've walked straight into, you know, when I was at uh, getting my MBA, you know, the foundation of modern marketing that was really drilled into my head, and I and I really believe is, you know, modern marketing really falls into understanding segmentation, targeting, and positioning. What are all the customer segments that are available in your market? Which ones are you best suited to pursue, to compete, to win? And then how do you position yourself in the minds of those potential segments to make your differentiated value clear compared to what else is coming out? Now, there are plenty of executive teams, and I've run into this as an operator before, before I knew any better, that, oh, well, our product is for everyone. Uh, so the first thing you need to do when we talk about segments is... Make sure that you know before you go into any sort of exercise that you have this conversation at a high level with your executive team that, okay, there's no successful company that their product is absolutely for everyone. And one thing that I think is can be tricky is be careful the lessons. If you're a startup, be careful the lessons you learn from Fortune 500 companies mm, because people yeah. will be like, oh, well, Microsoft serves everyone. No, Amazon serves everyone. It's like, yes, but they didn't start that way. Right, they 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 were at a yeah. different stage. Right, the, the, even if you look at their individual product lines or individual products, right, they started serving a very specific user in a very specific context, and then over time, you know, ten twenty years of product investment, eventually they expanded to to sell to everyone. So, you know, very important that you get that sort of alignment first. That it's a very bad strategy overall for you know your product development organization or your, your your company in general to say, hey, let's build this product for the average everyone. And then let's go tell marketing to target and position it and sell it to this group. Okay. Because if I was at CMO, I, I would probably just leave. Like, that's not a good <laughs> position to be in. Yeah. Because you know? right. they really have, have you know, you've built a product for this non-existent customer average uh, and then you're trying to go you know sell it to the group. So you know, go bring it back to pricing and packaging in this concept of segmentation, targeting, positioning, I really view pricing and packaging as a function of your positioning. 
And that drives so many activities, you know, across the go-to-market organization. So what what you build, like how you sell it, who you're reaching out to to sell it, like all the, the your messaging, and so it really helps you map your product features to specific buyer types. So when we get into, we may have a discussion later about packaging, et cetera, but one of the elements of packaging is this idea of offer configurations or bundles. So these are groups of features that we put together. You could imagine the mess if I just gave you a Chinese menu of 500 software features and said, you pick and choose which ones you want, right? That puts a big burden on your sales team to be able to coherently describe each one. Your attention and your ability to remember quickly goes out of sync. But if we could intelligently map, hey, this group of customers, these are the features that they really care about and put that together into a coherent bundle or offer then it makes their ability to, one, understand that differentiated value clearly, but also self-select into that offering, makes your your go-to-market motion much quicker, right? It helps your sales team identify, you know, which offer to, to recommend to a particular prospect. So I'll stop there, but there's, there's yeah. I can say a lot more, uh, but we'll see where we want to go. Well, sure you could, but but you know this concept of packaging uh, from the perspective of a software product, right? You know, just a little bit more clarifying that. If you had uh, a couple more words on that, I, again, I, as I said before, the pricing and packaging. I think most people's eyes sort of glaze over because they, you know, packaging doesn't have much of a meaning. But I really think of it, especially for SaaS pricing, we've got four components that make up packaging. So you've got your your price metric. So this is the unit of value that you charge for. You've got your monetization or price model. So this is like how and when payments flow through the system. Um, so I'll give examples too. So price metric, you know, oftentimes you'll see as it seats or users it could be number of API transactions. It could be amount of data processed or stored. You know, it could be like for uh, Dropbox, right? How much how much uh, file system uh, usage that you're you're paying for? Uh, for a price model. Again, this is how when payments flow through the system. So this could be a one-time perpetual transaction. Is it a subscription? Is it pay-as-you-go? Is it a dynamic uh, auction like yeah. like Google or Facebook uses for their ad inventory? Uh, then you've got your offer configurations or bundles. These are sets of features that are grouped together to create offers for each customer segment. And then finally, we have your what you call your price fences. So these are usually how do we charge two different customers different prices for the same product. We see this all the time in B2C context. So it might be a little bit more relatable to your audience. If I get on the bus, right, I'm going to pay one fee, but then you know, a student or a senior citizen is going to pay another fee. right? And so this would be right. a identity type pr- price fence. right? So students and senior citizens have some different price sensitivity. And so we're going to charge them uh, something different. There could also be price fences in terms of time. So if you go to the Thursday matinee showing at the movie theater, you're going to pay a different price than if you go at 7 p.m. because everyone wants to go at 7 p.m. The people who have availability to go Thursday at noon, right, have a different price sensitivity and there's incentives on behalf of the theater to fill those seats during those times. You might also see uh, volume uh, type pricing, right? And so uh, price fences. And these would be things like, you know, if I buy, use a B2B example, if I buy, you know, one seat 
of a uh, product or of a license, uh, you know, I'm going to pay a different price than for that seat than I would the thousandth seat I buy, right? And so there's, you know, the seat I get is the same, right? But it's there's just a matter of, of, of volume. And so those are the four elements. And again, as we think through there's different dimensions of my pricing model, whether that's you know segments, the competitive alternatives available, the, the value you provide, and then your overall pricing strategy. There's a bunch of decisions to be made to create the combination of price levels plus these different elements of packaging to make sure they fit with you know the overall business objectives and your the value you're providing to the market. This is fascinating. I, you know, it, it, you're just re, you know, confirming the original hypothesis we said of there's not enough training maturity around pricing. Clearly, you've demonstrated here you have a there's a lot to it, and I I, I think this is really. I now I know why companies bring you in, right? Because it's not easy, <laughs> and you help them think through all the aspects. You know, a final question I would ask Dan. I mean, we could talk we could talk for two hours about this, but you know, if you think you've got pricing, how can you tell if it's not working or if it's working if it's optimized or you know what metrics should you look at to kind of measure your effectiveness of your pricing? Yeah. So. I think one of the challenges is that pricing is not consistently owned. So if I, I just refer to like the mm. price controlling function, whatever <laughs> yeah. you know, organization that might be, whether it's the CEO or you know, product marketing or product management, uh, God forbid sales. I don't recommend sales owns pricing. Oh um, gosh, they do. But, and it's a dartboard on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think a couple of questions, you know, I would ask if I was in that executive room, you know, are you meeting your goals, your, your, your KPIs? Do you feel like pricing is getting away those goals? Mm. More specifically, Specifically, were your planned prices and volumes achieved? How large are the deviations between what you set out as your list prices and the transactional prices? And do you have a good sense of, of why that is compared to what you what your plan was? Is pricing causing you to lose deals, or what price did role or other factors play in that? You know, are the incentive systems that you've created, you know, around pricing, you know, were they were they undermined or gamed? And is there overall pricing related friction between, you know, your operating units, between your market segments, between your products in your portfolio? So those would be some of the yeah. higher level, you know, if I was if I was having a conversation with the CEO, these are some of the conversations I'd be having with them to say, okay, do you have a good sense of what's going on here? You know, one of the things is that in terms of specific metrics we might want to look at, I hinted at some of these already, but what is your discounting percentage overall, right? And can this, can this help inform whether your price is too high, too low? Pricing discount could be one number, but we can, we can look at it a bunch of different ways. Is there a discounting policy? So there's, is there a discounting policy and is there a discounting enforcement of that policy? Those are actually two different questions yeah. because I've seen companies that have a pricing policy and then uh, nobody on the sales team has ever looked at it. It's just <laughs> ignored, uh, right? So, you know, and then we could look at things like, you know, with some uh, statistical analysis, are there reasons behind our discounting percentage? For example, you know, do we have a, a set of rogue salespeople who they're just throwing out discounts like it's Christmas, right? While everyone else is maybe uh, more uh, rigorous about how they're using uh, discounting, um, or all else being equal, you know, do we see discounting be applied 
you know, as vo- things like uh, volume increase or the, the order size increase, right? So uh, just looking at that number, there's a bunch of different ways to, to look at it. You know, overall, you know, some very standard metrics we want to be looking at for subscription businesses are things like gross and net retention. So we usually talk about gross retention being pure logo churn, net retention, including things like expansion and upsell. I deal with a lot of clients that, you know, it's not necessarily new business that's causing, you know, pricing friction, but it's that they don't have the capability to give their customer success or renewals team the ability to really consultatively sell expansion and upgrades because the the way their pricing model is, you know, if it's something like the pricing model is based purely on seats. Well, we're in a macroeconomic environment right now that looks like most people are not adding headcount. Their seats are right. going the opposite way. Yeah. So if you're a customer success representative being beholden to a net revenue retention number and your only way to get customers to spend more is for them to add more seats, that's a really tough position to be in. So, you know, things like that I'd be looking at as well. Uh, and then, you know, there's a couple other things, things like, you know, what is my percent volume per bundle, right? If I have most SaaS companies will have like a good, better, best set of tiers. Uh, that's pretty common in the industry for very good reason. I generally recommend it, though not the only way to, to do it. Uh, there's different considerations there. But, you know, is there the appropriate mix across those different bundles, you know, that we're selling, right? And generally, if I had to throw a rule of thumb out there, let's say 25%, 50%, 25% would be healthy, you know, just because there tends to be a magic in the middle. So sure. you're going to see a lot of uh, sales in, in the middle tier. But those would be some of the things I'd be, I'd be looking at. This is, this is, that is an awesome answer. And just what goes through my mind as I hear you talk, Dan, is, uh, you have a lot to offer companies in this area. It's clear that you're not making this up, that you have really thought through. And I, I just thank you so much for sharing uh, some of that with us. It's been really, really fun. You know, seats. I'm just thinking about your, your coming around seat pricing. You know, it's as old as dirt. And it's kind of like, is that really where the value? Often it's not. Although there are there are situations where it's valid. But, you know, and, and I think it's still, if we, if we rank ordered the, all the, SaaS companies, I think it's still the most prevalent, um, mm-hmm. but definitely worth revisiting if you haven't looked yeah. at it in the last five years. Bad. Well, Dan, I, I really appreciate you. Uh, we could talk for two hours on this, I'm sure, but <laughs> I really appreciate you stopping by and sharing your, your experience and, and knowledge and thoughts here. If people want to find out more, what's the best way where they can kind of track you and find you and learn more? Yeah, well, I I try to blog fairly regularly on my website at producttranquility.com. It's all one word. Okay. Um, trying to demystify this world of pricing and packaging for everyone else. So people can learn from my mistakes and go make all new mistakes. Don't make the same mistakes <laughs> I did. That's not going to help anyone. I'm also happy to connect with folks on LinkedIn at Dan Balkowski. Just let me know you heard me on the podcast so I could separate it from the rest of the LinkedIn spam. There you go. <laughs> That's great. And and producttranquility.com. We'll we'll make sure we put uh, links in the show notes to that as well as to your LinkedIn page so people can get a hold of you. Appreciate Any that. Any last final comment you want to say before we, we close our session, Dan? Yeah, I would say think of pricing as a process. I think too often pricing gets slotted as this like last minute activity in the go to market launch. And really, you know, you don't treat anything else that's a process in your company that way. It's ongoing. 
as we've talked a lot about, you know, value is incredibly important. The value you provide your customers is constantly changing. I don't know any SaaS CEO or head of product that says product's done. We've built everything we're ever going to build. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's done. Your competitors are definitely not doing it. So your relative value is changing. So regularly revisiting it, you know, the companies that regularly revisit pricing, and it's not necessarily, hey, we're increasing pricing every quarter, right? Uh, that's not, we're revamping everything, but you know, this regular attention to it, your value is changing, your market's changing, you know, treat it like a process and, you know, give somebody ownership to it. Uh, but th- I think that'd be the most important takeaway. Yeah, I like that. I like that because, yeah, you, you just learn every time you reevaluate it. You're going to learn something, even <laughs> if you don't change it to your point. Well, Dan, thanks again for joining us. Uh, let's keep in touch, huh? Let's maybe maybe we can di- dive into some more subjects at a, at a later later podcast. I'd love to. Would uh, love to. Love to. Let's do it. We'll put that on our plan. Okay. Have a great week, Dan. Thank to you, Paul. You thank are, you for having me. You bet. And to you, our listeners, thank you for joining us. I hope you you found that fun. It it was nice to take a break from what is innovation, what is product management, to this so critical decision around pricing and it's it's hard i've been in the software companies my whole life and when it comes down to finding that price it's like wow where do we start and so dan just shared a whole bunch of great concepts and ideas do reach out to him for more information i hope you all have a great week ahead thanks for joining us bye for now thanks for joining us this week for innovation talks with paul heller If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. For additional information on today's topic, check out sophion.com, S-O-P-H-E-O-N.com, where you will find plenty of innovation-centric content and corporate best practices. If you'd like to discuss anything with Paul or would like to get in touch with the show, email us at talks at sophion.com.